0: pop in your headphones and tune out your kids, and come hang out with me and a guest for the authentic conversations that you have been looking for. Inez, welcome to Confessions of a Crappy Christian. It is
1: awesome to be with you today.
0: Thank you so much for having me. Okay, I'm going to do this right off the bat. Can you tell us your full name? Because I got you to tell it to me before we started recording. have to have it on the show.
1: Okay. Ines Socorro Rivera Padilla Salas Morales de Franklin. I mean, (laughs) that is incredible. How's that? For all my Latino friends who follow you, you know, what that means is I have the last names for my father and the last names for my mother. So all four last names and I have a middle name. So it's a lot of names. (laughs) And then of course I'm so de Franklin.
0: Right. Like you carry your heritage with you.
1: Yes, yes, yes. Very true.
0: There are a lot of things that other countries do better than America. That is certainly one of them. <laughs> that Okay. We need a different ID card, though.
1: And our ID card would have to change. A lot of people who move from Latin countries, they have to get their, they have to choose what last name to use, mm. how much to use because of the size of our ID card. So we would just need a bigger yeah. ID card in the US.
0: You just need like an <laughs> iPad size, you know, <laughs> versus, you know, the little <laughs> tiny card. Yes. <laughs> That's amazing. So tell us a little bit about your history. What brought you here? You have a book that I want to talk about, but I also want to allow my audience to just get to know you a little bit as well. Sure. Yes. Yeah. So I grew up in Naranjito,
1: Puerto Rico. So any who is listening, they know what that means. That's a little name that we call the Puerto Ricans. And up in the mountains, raised by a single mother with, I was number six or seven kids. So my wow. dad left when I was a year old and moved to New York. And my mom raised us by herself. She was pregnant with my younger brother at the time. And so we lived in severe poverty on government assistance in a little shock that she had a little store in front where she sold candies or things that she baked with the government assistance food that we got. And that's how she started off. But then she sold enough things to start building a very small home that we grew up in, 600 square feet made of concrete block. And so, yeah. but that's really the home we grew up in. And that house had, uh, it never got finished. So the outside was still the concrete block with the mortar sticking out, like you couldn't lean against the mm-hmm. house or you would get all scratched up by hard mortar. And we were always embarrassed about our gray house. but hey, it was a home. And I mean, looking back and I think I was so spoiled. I had a home that could protect us. But uh, yeah, that's always my upbringing. And then when I was 16, my mother decided to move to California and we moved to a small little apartment with my brother. All of us packed in there and we got jobs to try to make ends meet. And yeah, that was my journey coming into the U.S. land. I am an American citizen as a Puerto Rican, but it is a different culture, yeah. Puerto Rican, than especially compared to California. But that's how my upbringing. Yeah, but I'm here with you today because I wrote my first book. It took me 18 years to write it. So slow.
0: Yeah. struggled so much.
1: And in it, I tell my story. And specifically, I tell my my faith story because yeah. it started at a young age with a very crazy moment of hearing God's voice. I, I can share about that if you want. Yeah, and then. I got away from God for many, many years until I turned 40 and my life was a mess. And I went back to the church and started reading the Bible for the first time in my life. Mm. And my life was transformed. And that was 20 years ago. Yes, now you know my age. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, yeah, and then this has been, you know, so I tell my story. I tell stories of the Bible all to show share that the journey of faith isn't as linear as we tend to think it is or want it to be. Yeah. That we have questions and doubts and seasons of struggle and obstacles. And there's a lot that happens on the journey of faith that a lot of times takes us by surprise, but it shouldn't.
0: Yeah. It can be a wake up call for the Christian. I think
1: Yeah, when
0: you read, especially when you start reading the Bible and you go, oh, he he never promised it was all going to be unicorns and rainbows yes. and really perfect. He actually makes yes. it quite clear that it's going to be messy and it's going to have struggle and it's going to require faith. And I think a lot of the time it's for people who grew up in the faith, there can be this narrative that like everything's going to be better. Jesus makes everything better, which he does, which is not the way maybe we think he's going to.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, actually for me, having lived most, you know, big portion of my life away from Jesus, when I became a believer, I did think, okay, this is going to solve my problems because yeah. I keep making a mess out of my life. And maybe now that I'm a Christian, then my life will be smoother. I won't have as many struggles. And I bought that and I was not a believer at a young age. Yeah, And so for me, it has been a wake up call of no, you're on a journey with Jesus. It's a relationship. There's no formula. You can't take your secular way of thinking and bring it to Christianity and think it's going to be up and to the right the whole time, right? It's not like that. It's not. like Well,
0: and then you do hit these, you know, you hit the road bumps, you hit the difficult seasons. And if that's the idea of the Christian life that you have, that it's supposed to be all perfect. And then if that's the foundation that you've built it on and things get hard, it'll crumble. Yes. If you haven't built it on, no, like God is who he says he is. He's here. He's walking through this with me. Not that he promised it wouldn't happen. That's right. I think that's why you see a lot of people kind of walk away from their faith when difficult things happen. And it's like, did you have your faith built on an idea Yes. versus who God really is?
1: Yes. You know, a lot of us have built a faith on Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, 11. Mm-hmm. And when I start my book with that in chapter one, because, you know, that was a passage given to people when they were suffering and mm-hmm. in slavery, and it was going to take 70 years for that to begin, not even to be fulfilled, right? But to begin to be fulfilled, really wasn't fulfilled through, until Jesus, and we're still on the time, right? So, right. We we live on that passage and believing like, yeah, tomorrow is going to be better, but then tomorrow doesn't come because we're struggling with something and we get disappointed and discouraged. And mm-hmm. yeah, I write my book to help us endure on the journey of faith and actually see the beauty of God present with us. Like you were saying, like, you know, God with us is really the real promise he gives us.
0: Exactly. His presence.
1: And that yes. is powerful enough yes. for what we need today, you know, to give us this day, our daily bread. And our daily bread is God's presence. And it, it can take us no matter what's happening.
0: Amen. I mean, we could end the podcast there, honestly, because I was fire. <laughs> but <laughs> through the book, you talk about this concept that faith is a mystery, yes. which I think will really connect with people. Because I don't know about you. I've, I have had conversations about faith with people who don't believe in Jesus. And it's kind of hard. Like, it's yeah. kind of hard to like solidify it. Oh, let's
1: have an honest moment. Come on. We are talking to people about a person, God coming in the flesh and dying on a cross, shameful death, and then rising after three days and walking around when people putting their fingers on him and touching him. Yes, it is an incredible mystery that we're sharing. And we we try to talk about it as though it's the same thing as go to this restaurant. The food's really good. (laughs)
0: Exactly. Because it feels that real to us, which I love. Amen. Like, Amen. My True. belief in a virgin birth and the crucifixion and a perfect life, it is as real as that restaurant that I love. Yes. To me. But like, how do we reconcile the two? Understanding that this is a mystery for you. And it, there are parts of it that are going to always be a mystery for us, right? Yes. We, we yes. aren't going to have all of the answers. But also, like, but I believe this with everything inside of me.
1: Yes. Amen. So I call it a journey that's full of mystery and full of faith. Mm. So, right, yeah, like the two
0: can coexist. The two
1: together. Like, it's the faith component is that I believe it the same way that I believe that I, I go to that restaurant and food's going to be good in the next time because it was good last time. But also, I leave so much room to, for God to be God, to be mm beyond my wildest dreams, be stronger, wiser, more interesting and adventurous and funnier and all that than I could imagine on my own. Yeah. And to be, you know, I want to say gooder. I know that's not English. No, I love it.
0: Yes. He's gooder than you think he is. Yes,
1: he is. (laughs) right. Like he's much more, much, much more than we think. And whenever we, we make him less than than a mystery. We've already created God in our own image, I think. Mm. Ooh,
0: (laughs) yeah. Do you find people, like, do people get uncomfortable with the idea of God being a mystery? Or are they very like, oh, no, God is mysterious? Because I could imagine this would get some pushback from certain circles.
1: Well, I believe so. I haven't received it yet, but I'm sure it will come. But here's my thinking. I wrote this book, from my own experience with God, mm-hmm. I personally don't like mysteries. So I want you to know there's a part of me I don't like scary. I don't like scary movies. Mm-hmm. Movies that are surprise me, you know, at the end really upset me
0: <laughs> I like, think I, I, I have to know what's going to do you I... read the end of a book before you read it? Totally. Yes. <laughs> totally.
1: Confession there. So just so you know, I personally don't like it either in a way, because it makes me feel vulnerable. Mm. The reality is I feel more vulnerable. And even just this journey of writing a book and putting it out there, I feel so vulnerable and so naked. And it's such an uncomfortable feeling. And I ask God sometimes, why does it feel so uncomfortable to be vulnerable? Right? Like Jesus was so vulnerable. He came as a baby. What can a baby do? Right? Totally dependent. He was so vulnerable on the cross. Somehow there's got to be a way to live in that vulnerability and see the beauty of it. Mm. So, yeah, I can imagine some people will be uncomfortable with it. because I'm uncomfortable with it. There's a part right. of a mystery. In fact, I start out the book talking about how mysteries can be both beautiful and, for example, you know, sunset or sunrise every morning. You don't know what it's going to be like. And yet it's like, it's a wonder. Like, how do the clouds create those colors and the light and all of that? Yeah. But or even a baby being born, there's a wonder about that. Yeah, so many things can go wrong, right? Mm And when the baby is born and they're beautiful and their body's perfect, and it's like, wow, Mm -hmm. right? Sometimes mysteries are amazing, and we love those surprises. But sometimes mysteries can be frightening, right? When we don't know, and we again we go back to feeling vulnerable. So I can see some people feeling vulnerable about that. But here's my my take: we are all eager or willing to be vulnerable with someone we trust. Mm. Like, have you ever been invited to get in a car and go on? Someone says, I'm going to take you somewhere, but I'm not telling you, you know, so we're just going to get in the car. We're going to have this weekend together. And it's just going to be a surprise. My husband has done that to me. And yes, do I ask a bunch of questions to try to find the answer? Absolutely. Do I try to figure out where we're going based on which way the car is going? Absolutely. But it's so fun because I know he wants the best for me.
0: Right. Oh, that's so good. And you trust him because he's earned your trust.
1: Yes. You know, like if
0: some Joe Schmo was like, get in the car, I'm taking you somewhere. You're like, no, 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 (laughs) no.
1: That's right. I go Puerto Rican there. I go Puerto Rican.
0: (laughs) We teach our kids about that. But when it is someone that you trust, that you know has always wanted the best for you, that hasn't led you wrong, then yeah, like you get in the car. And then it's crazy. You can almost, like for some people, maybe not all of us, Like, enjoy some of the mystery. Yes, yes.
1: See it unfold and see the joy in them. Like, when my husband Mm. has done that, I see him having so much fun. Now, I don't think God puts us in this place of mystery to have a fun time at our expense. Right. That is not what I'm saying. We may do that to each other, but that's not God. Mm -hmm. I think the reason God is a mystery is because he is so much greater than we are. That it's by his very nature. Yeah right? He is going to be mysterious. There's so much about God that we just don't know. And we cannot know, at least at this time in our existence, maybe when we're his presence, as Paul says, will we fully know, and we will be fully known, right? We will know more then, but until then we live in this place of knowing some, knowing a lot perhaps, but not knowing everything. Mm -hmm. And that, that's the definition of a mystery. Right.
0: Right. I wonder how much of our struggle with mystery or the fact that our life isn't linear is because we have that inherent need for certainty. Like we want something that we can hold on to, that we know. And the truth is that we have that, right? Like we have that in God, we have that in Christ, but we want it here. (laughs) We want it now. Yes. And like you were saying earlier, that's just not one of the things that we were guaranteed.
1: Yes. So I have grandchildren, nine of them. They're so fun. I love it. I know. Not
0: Amazing. Gosh.
1: And I, sometimes when I'm making the meals, I have something, I'm, you know, for my grandson, one of my grandsons doesn't like broccoli. I'm like, what's wrong with you? Broccoli's so good for you. And so like, I have something for that, him that I know will be good for him, right? But he doesn't know. He's used to tasting the things that he tastes and he's going to satisfy his hunger with the things that he is familiar with, that he thinks are, are satisfying his body, his hunger, et cetera. I believe that's the same for us. Like we, when we feel uncertain and we want certainty, we go to those things that we think satisfy our hunger and our thirst in a certain way. And when God is offering something to us, that's different that, and he does, right? He offers us his presence, not real knowledge about what happens tomorrow. He offers us his promises and his faithfulness, but not necessarily how that's going to work out, the details of that. mm mm-hmm. He promised that he's going to bless us and give us a joy, but maybe even that joy is counterintuitive to the way the world works. He's going to give us purpose, but he's not going to give us success the way the world defines it. So we feel the need for certainty, but we go after certainty in a way that is, to me, below God's standards, below God's really good certainty. Yeah. And he knows that about us. And so I think he's constantly trying to show us the broccoli, you know? I know that's not a really good analogy, no, but, but you know, yeah. it's trying to show us, there's something better that I have for you and that which you're seeking certainty with. Although, yes, you might satisfy, satisfy yourself to a point, not to the level you'll be satisfied if you trusted in
0: what I have for you. Mm. 30 million women are impacted by weakened or thinning hair. And if you're among them, I need you to know that you're not alone and that there's a solution you can trust to deliver some results. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement. It supports healthy hair growth from within by targeting the root causes of thinning. Nutrafol has three physician formulated formulas using natural drug free medical grade ingredients so you can get the most reliable results. And in a clinical study, 86% of women reported improved hair growth after six months. You can grow thicker, healthier hair and support our show by going to NutraFull.com and entering the promo code BLAKE to save $15 off your first month's subscription. This is their best offer they offer anywhere. And it's only available to U.S. customers for a limited time, plus free shipping on every order. Get $15 off at Nutrafol.com, spelled N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com, promo code BLAKE. In Puerto Rico, we call ourselves Boricua. We are proud, passionate, and full of life. On our island, adventure finds you.
1: Strangers, aren't strangers for long. The size of the audience doesn't change the beauty of the music, and we celebrate every last ray of sun. Live,
0: Have you ever seen the drawing? It's kind of cheesy but it's this drawing and it's Jesus and he's kneeling down and there's a little girl standing in front of him and she has this little teddy bear and she's like, but I love it. And he has this huge teddy bear behind his back. And it's, and that's a very like materialistic,
1: you know. No, no. I even mentioned that in my book. So do you. I do
0: do. do.
1: for that very reason. He has something so much better for us that we don't even, we don't know. We just don't know. It's, it's not going to be given to us until we, Release. So, in my book, I talk about active surrender, mm. which is not just the I give up white flag. Okay, God, I'm going to give you this because you know, I've tried everything and I can't get there. But it's more like, like moving toward what Jesus is calling us towards. So, you know, the little child giving, quote, that bear to Jesus is an act of active surrender. It isn't just giving something up, but it's saying, I'm going to trust with what you have for me. Right. And I'm going to take a step, even though I don't see. I don't know what it is that you have prepared for me.
0: Yeah. And it's like you said, it's not getting to the end of your rope and then being like, okay, fine, Jesus, you can have it. Like whatever. It's long before the end of your rope, trusting that he knows more than you do, has more for you than you can make up. And sometimes it's not even that you have to put stuff down. It's just, that you have to hold it with an open hand. Yes, absolutely. Yes, absolutely. I'm going to hold this career with an open hand. I'm going to store it well. I'm going to be responsible with it. But if you take it, it's going to be much easier if I've been holding it like with open palms than like white knuckling it.
1: <laughs> That's right. It's going to hurt if it has to be without. Right. Because God cares about us too much to let us go down a path. If we're walking with Jesus, if we surrender our life to Jesus, He he finishes what he starts, it says in scripture, right? And the Holy mm-hmm. Spirit is going to guide us and protect us even from ourselves. So absolutely. Mm. And the other part of active surrender too is, and this is part of my book, a whole section on obedience, because I talk about active surrender is also taking that that step, Mm. that today step. Like today, maybe God's calling us to do this. That's all we have. We don't know what the next step will be or the next 30 steps, but it's moving towards God. We're moving towards what we feel. We're hearing from God, even if we don't know for sure. I mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many times I thought, did I make this up, or is this oh. really God calling me to move? Right? Have you had that? Yeah, <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> every <And> day. So <laughs> saying, okay, <laughs> right, and saying, okay, God, I think I'm hearing you. Well, I'm going to move in that direction. I'm going to mm-hmm. take a step in that direction, or three or four. And God, I'm asking you to stop me along the way if if it's not of you. Yes. And I I'm, I'm going to be willing to stop. Well, I'm going to try to be willing to stop. I should always remember that it's not as easy to be actively surrender as it sounds. Yeah. But, but, I, but I, at least I want to create, in my mind, a posture of God. When you redirect me, I will come back to you and say, was that you redirecting me? Is that the mm-hmm. enemy trying to derail me? What am I hearing? What am I experiencing? With? It's step by step, by step, by step.
0: And it, I really, as you're talking, I feel like I'm seeing this visual of obedience is a result of active surrender.
1: Hmm, that's good.
0: It's like an outflowing of it when you're surrendering your life. It's not easy, but I think it's easier to take those next right steps when you're just kind of already there. So if somebody's listening and they're thinking, yeah, this all sounds really great, but I've been white knuckling my life for a really long time. Do you have any like advice or guidance for people to just start stepping into surrender?
1: Absolutely. So what I did in my book, and by the way, all of these are things that I do myself. I'm a self-professed control freak. Mm -hmm. So I'm not speaking about this as though I'm like, you know, there are people who are really easygoing and they go with the flow. I have a dear friend who's like that. I'm not like that. (laughs) So what I did is at the end of every chapter in my book, I shared a spiritual practice or two. I do think similarly to a person who goes to a gym and works out. We need to work on this idea of active surrender way before it becomes a desperate need for us. Yes. We need to practice it, right? And so immediately when we start to feel those feelings of insecurity or vulnerability or desire to control or a craving for certainty, we can go to those practices. And so, for example, I start my book with practicing the presence of God. Imagining that God is right there. Of course, God is everywhere. He's always, always with us. We're just the ones not paying attention to His presence or not seeking to feel His presence. You know. And again, it's not to say that you will practice this and oh yeah, I feel God right here. There are times where you'll do it and you will not feel God's presence still. Mm -hmm. And there's a whole bunch of reasons for that. Some of which I know, some of which I don't know. But but if we practice and we practice and we practice and we imagine His presence with us and we. I do know that he will make himself known. It mm-hmm. says in scripture, we seek him, he will be found. Yeah. And so that's an example of a spiritual practice I have in there. Some of the chapters have more than one practice because we need them. So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the practices, so I have everything from gratitude, generosity, worship, I have confession, truth telling, journaling, self-examination, silence and stillness. So there's a number of them in there. yeah. And all of them were related to the subject of each chapter. So they're not just random practices. There, there are hundreds of practices that we can do as Christians.
0: Mm-hmm. And
1: by the way, these are not meant to be more legalism or religiosity right. exercises. These are just ways in which we can prepare ourselves yeah. and, and connect with God and open ourselves up to God to make his presence be felt by us. And, mm. and for us to hear more of his voice and learn to hear his voice and learn to think the way he thinks versus the way that we tend to think. Yeah. So it's more of us learning than it is about us earning anything.
0: Amen. Because We don't
1: have to earn God's love. It's already given to us without any conditions. Obviously, Jesus on the cross, that's it. Believing in that. but. We do have to work at this faith thing because mm-hmm. the, the world, our way of thinking is constantly calling us to have faith in something. And we almost don't have to practice that, but we do. We
0: practice it every day. Right. I think I want to kind of go back to obedience a little bit because these are also interconnected, right? Faith without obedience is yes. dead.
1: Well, Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord? And don't do as I say. Yes. Right.
0: And then obedience without faith is real scary and borderline <laughs> impossible, right? <Yes. laughs> you're like I'm gonna do what I think I'm hearing, but I don't have any belief system supporting it. So yeah, that's you won't borderline, do yes, impossible. One of my favorite—I'm a movie nerd—and so my favorite, like I visualize this for myself when I feel like God's asking me to kind of take a next step or a scary step—is the scene in Indiana Jones. And Ooh, I like it. <laughs> yes, the last crusade where he has to step out onto that invisible bridge. Yes. That, because unless you get some really cool, really clear sign, and I do think God still works that way, more often than not, obedience is going to be a semi-scary step in a certain direction. What has that looked like in your life?
1: Yes. I love that. Well, the movie that comes to mind for me, and I can't even think of the title, but it was was a romantic movie, super chick flick, where she meets this guy from the past and he wants to take her to the past and she has to jump off this bridge in New York. He has to jump off a bridge in New York to enter into the past with him. And it's this crazy idea of I'm jumping into nothing. I could die. Right. So that picture in mind, as well as the one you just Mention is really my journey of writing this book. I mean, English is my second language, right? As you can stand, I went to college right after I graduated from high school, having been in the U.S. only two years, and I flunked college. Period. Yeah, I, I had to leave after a year because I could not write the papers, I couldn't do the work, and I never felt like I was going to be a writer. Yeah. But I did feel the Lord called me to teach and to write two years into becoming a believer, it made no sense to me. And I feel like I just jumped off a bridge. And you know, when you do something, when you get on a roller coaster, and you have those stomach, the feeling of your stomach where you feel sick, and your head's dizzy, and I all those feelings I have, I have this sense of like, I just jumped, and I'm about to fall flat on my Mm -hmm. face. And it's really gonna hurt. Yeah, really gonna hurt. But, but I took the jump. I took the jump. And I, I, I'm going to trust that God has He has a plan that's greater than whatever I have. Yeah.
0: Well, I think you said it makes no sense. Yes. More often than not, obedience makes no sense.
1: Because we're doing God's way of thinking, not ours.
0: Exactly. Or the world's. And scripture is such a sweet reminder of that. If you really read, especially Old Testament, but New Testament as well, the stories of these heroes of scripture, and you... Kind of try to understand where they were and, in, to some degree, what their life looked like. It's insane <laughs> yes. what God asked these people to do. And so, yes. you know, the example that I give in our life is last year, my husband left his corporate America job where he'd been for 20 years to come home and work with me. It was crazy. People thought we were insane, family oh. thought it was the, the terrible decision. But we just knew really clearly like this was God's next step for our family. And even my husband, I was pretty gung ho about it because I was done with him being gone all day. And I was like, (laughs) I will live in a cardboard box if it means we can be together. That was just kind of my take on it. But what really got him to that point was I was like, okay, think about it this way. Imagine Noah just starts building this big old boat. No, there's no water in sight. Like people thought he was nuts and he saved humanity. And that can sound like a really Sunday school answer. But if you believe that scripture is what it is, then you have story after story of people choosing obedience and it being absolutely bananas. And if God doesn't change, then yeah, he's going to still ask us to do crazy stuff and catch us when we jump. So true. So for me, the story that really connects with me is the story of Peter. Mm.
1: So remember, Peter denied Jesus three times. And then after Jesus is resurrected, he goes fishing. He finds out that Jesus is, he goes fishing. Why? My belief is that he probably felt, well, I'm disqualified. I can't be used by Jesus anymore. And Jesus comes after him and invites him once again to follow Mm. him. And he does after this and in fact Jesus asks him three times, "Do you love me? You know, feed my sheep." Like three, three denials, three invitations. Complete, complete, complete denial, complete invitation, and Peter follows him. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's an act of obedience that makes no sense because I'm thinking Peter probably felt like this makes no sense. Why would you want me to follow you? I am not a faithful person. I will bail the minute things get hard. I ask dumb questions. I'm, you know, whatever. Yeah. And that's me too. I I have a very messy story. I share very vulnerably in my book, chapter six and seven, I literally like sobbed as I was writing. The Lord really called me to be vulnerable with my story from the day one. And I've always been sharing the brokenness that I came from before Jesus called me. And that in itself is, is a typical Sunday church story, right? Oh, before Jesus, here's Jesus. Now I follow Jesus and end of story. And that probably would be a fine story by itself. But then Jesus amps it up and says, follow me, teach my people, Yeah, learn so that you will teach. Then in the middle of me becoming a teacher, going to seminary, pastor my people. I was invited to be a pastor. I never saw that coming. Yeah. I never saw that coming. It makes no sense when you hear my story. I remember the first time that I preached and I was standing in front of men and women at a church that never had a female teacher before, but they had me. Mm. The the women had a messy past. My English is messy. A lot of times I say the wrong word. I misuse idioms. I speak sometimes kind of funny. I didn't know how to teach the Bible. It made no sense. And there I was. Mm It makes no sense that I wrote an eighty-five thousand book after failing college, right? None of this makes sense. <laughs> yeah. yeah, but Jesus, yeah, you no, know, when He calls, and that my story is not unique at all. It's mm-hmm. my argument is that that's really what God does, what He loves to do with people, and we see it in Scripture over and over again. You know, Moses was like, gosh, you know, I don't even know how to speak, you know, and here's Moses being sent to save the people of e- from Egypt. That's just the way God works.
0: It is. It really is. The story of scripture is like yeah. the least of these, the most unexpected. I mean, look at Jesus. Like they yes. expected their savior to come on a white horse and be royalty. Yes. A baby in a manger. You know what yes. I mean? And exactly. So exactly. I, that's so encouraging. and And just the idea that your obedience is an expression of, like, I believe you are who you say you are, that you love me as much as you say you do, even no matter how unworthy I feel. Like, I believe that you can use me Yes, no matter what. And that just, it's okay if it's messy. It's okay if this is all unraveled and uncharted and uncharted and just, like, it doesn't have to fit in a box because God doesn't fit in a box.
1: Amen. Amen. And I think we rob ourselves, truly.
0: Yes. In my
1: book, I talk about the fact that when we control, we literally blind ourselves. When we're, when we're trying to control our circumstance, we can't see God's good desires. He's still working out his good desires in our lives, but we can't see it. We can't enjoy it. We can't rejo- We can't tell others about it. Yeah. You know, I'm grateful that I'm here with you, Blake, sharing God's story, like yeah. the story of God's kindness. If you read my book, what you see is God's kindness on full display. And I'm really happy I get to tell his story. Yeah. And I think that's what we get to do when we stop trying to have control, when we try to tell only our story. And I mean that not in that it's it's okay to tell our testimony. That's absolutely good. I'm saying when we create our own story under our control mechanisms and cravings, that's all we get, our little story. Yeah. Not our God-sized, crazy, wild, adventurous, surprising Counterintuitive story, which is so much more fun to share and so beautiful. Amen. That
0: is so true.
1: And edifying to others. Like It ministers to others when we tell our true story and say, look what God did when I trusted him. I I have a friend who his family was going, they started a church in New York, in Brooklyn, and they were going through a really difficult season, no money. And one day they literally, they, they were using up the food in their cupboards until they had like nothing for dinner. And father sat everyone at the table, three kids, wife and him, and there was nothing on the table. And he said, let's pray for our meal. Hmm. And my friend was like, dad, there's no food on the table. Like, why are we doing this? He's like, no, the Lord is going to provide food for us and we're going to pray. So they started praying for their meal and the door knocked. And it was a lady from the church bringing them a dinner for that day. Hmm. And he tells that story and it gives me goosebumps just thinking about it. That's incredible. Right? Isn't it? fun when we get to tell those God-sized stories. And he tells that story. I love to tell that story because that is the God I know that exactly. who do things like that. And it's just amazing.
0: Exactly. Oh, that's incredible. And convicting and encouraging. It's just so good. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom. Tell our listeners where they can keep up with you online. Thank you. Yes. So my book is
1: on Amazon, but also you can go to inesfranklin.com. And there you can find out everything about me and my ministry and what I do. But truly, I'm just grateful to be with you, Blake, and to get to know you. I've been enjoying your podcast and the wonderful conversations that you have. Thank you for taking on the hard subject. No, the things that we need to talk about, including this conversation about the mystery of faith. I just think we get a greater picture of who God is. So thank you.
0: Oh, thank you so much. This is amazing. Mm